a listener production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. This is the podcast in which every week we choose something that is going on in the world and we break it down for you. That is not me that breaks it down for you, by the way. It is this gentleman, the master all-knowing guru of international relations, Dr. Keith Souter. Uh, he's got a couple of PhDs in all sorts of um, related information. Keith, you've been a commentator in Australian media for decades now as well, revered in this kind of sector. And we've been working together for a number of years as a producer myself. Now, Keith, today, talking about this, well, it's a it's a rather strong connection between violence and heat, and heat is what we're seeing around the world at the moment. There's extraordinary heat waves. It, yes, yeah, so, so we've got a, this a remarkable heat wave. We're seeing it obviously on our TV sets because of California and the West Coast generally of the United States and even Canada, which seems bizarre to talk about a heat wave in Canada, and also around the North Pole, the polar caps. So Christy Wilson, who um, someone that I've worked with over the years, she drew my attention to this issue. Now, she describes herself as a trauma-informed and climate-aware psychotherapist, and she's working globally with environmental activists and advocates. So she's really plugged into the sharp end of environmental activism, as well as being a mental health practitioner. And she has drawn my attention to all this literature, which once you start looking, you find it, linking uh, the rise in temperature with an increase in violence. And even the BBC, I notice, has now got in on the act. They've had a recent article um, where they're also paying attention to the wildfires, as they're called in the United States, the wildfires and the issues of violence. And they actually start off their article by talking about July 1988. In the United States, the land was simmering in the warmest summer then on record. I was in New York at that time, I, so I can certainly testify to the heat. I hadn't, however, linked the issues of crime with the issue of temperature. I just figured, look, I'm living in New York. People get shot. You know, this, is, this is America. <laughs> <laughs> it's an occupational hazard if you're in New York. But what is interesting is that they're continuing the studies and in particular, the American Association for Psychological Science did a report on global warming and violent behaviour. And their argument, like the BBC, the argument is that as areas get warmer, so people get more irritable and there is a risk of greater violence. So um, looking at the, uh, the BBC article on all of this is that in South Africa, for every degree that the temperature goes up, there is a 1.5 increase in the number of murders. And, of course, South Africa is already one of the most violent societies. I was there two years ago in what they call the quietest place, you know, which is uh, down around Cape Town. And even there, the people that I, I mixed with who came out to the conference centre always had to be home before dusk settled in. They would not be out on the roads at night in their own private vehicles. So. This this study originally, uh, what I came across from from the BBC, is is sort of showing that there is evidence for this linkage. One of the obvious possibilities is that hot, stuffy weather is uncomfortable, which puts us collectively in a worse mood, and leads to harmful behaviour. Well, after all, we're here in an air conditioned studio, right? 
Uh, we're not relying on the outside temperature. We're in our own sealed uh, environment. All of the workplaces behind us that are not in a recording studio, but nonetheless connected, that's all air conditioned because we know that people work better with air conditioning rather than when they're hot and bothered. So that's certainly one aspect of this. And they said also that there could also be summer activities which bring us into contact with other people and heighten our emotions. For example, if you look at violent demonstrations, they really take place in the rain. (laughs) What? It's interesting. So you have very few violent political rallies when it's raining. When When the weather is bucketing down... People don't turn up on the streets. Well, for obvious reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so even then, when I was in New York in 1988, they were talking about this long, hot summer. So people were out on the streets quite naturally uh, just to escape the heat of their inner city apartments. And so they were already on the streets and therefore in a position to get mobilised. They were short-tempered and there's always this risk of violence, which is brewing anyway in certain areas of New York. So it's really quite interesting to see how, in a broader sense, people are becoming far more aware of this link now between an increase in temperature and the risk of an increase in violence. And so that's yet another dimension to the whole question of um, climate change and how it'll flow through society. You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Soon. We're talking about this undeniable link. It's scientifically proven, right? Yeah. Can we say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Between heat and violence. And when you do think about it, really, you're at your absolute worst on those stinking hot Australian (laughs) days where the humidity is high and everything you do, you just cannot get that relief. Yeah. And your tolerance is just minimal. Yeah. And, of course, what is interesting, this is then flowing through to the whole field of mental health. And I've noticed now that we're getting all sorts of new terms. One is eco-anxiety. I notice this with children who are worried about whether or not they're going to have a future or whether it's all going to be wiped out. And there's a whole school now, which perhaps at some point we need to look at, on catastrophe studies. People like Jem Bendel, the Manifesto from the Dark Mountain, which is in England or UK. You know, people just talking about the end of the world and the person behind the Dark Mountain Manifesto, for example, was an environmental campaigner in England who said it's pointless. He's now taken his family to the west side of Ireland, the Gale Tucked, and is growing vegetables. Now, he's still using computers, he's using IT, but he just simply he said environmental campaigning is a waste of time. So there is that sense of doom, and I think the children pick it up they may not talk to their parents so much about it, but that they are feeling it because they just look at what's going on on the TV screen or their own um, social media feeds. So there's eco-anxiety, ecological grief, eco-paralysis, uh, denial, and um, there's another term which basically says that you, f- you feel uneasy because you're just simply being pushed out of your social comfort zone. Uh, That's another technical term. I'm just looking for it in all my papers here. Another one is the whole issue of trauma over burnt animals, which had never occurred to me. But, of course, if if you're like the bushfires we had in Australia, you know, you lose your household pet in one of those fires, you might be able to escape 
with some of your favourite photographs, but the animals may not make it. Or if you're running a farm, of course, it, you know, it's, it's your farm stock. Yeah, and the wildlife. People really cared in that particular instance exactly. about the wildlife. All the koalas who oh. disappeared. Yep. Yeah. And the ones that would come burnt out of the forest. Remember, that's that most amazing footage of yeah. koalas going up to um, fireys for a drink of water. Extraordinary yeah. stuff. It's incredible. So what Christy Wilson and her colleagues are talking about now is preventative mental health, mental health first aid for climate change. In other words, to build up the resilience within people. In effect, accepting that climate change is going to go ahead now. Um, I uh, take the view that if we exceed the current predictions in temperature, even with the Paris Accord, I don't think it's it's an either-or situation about the end of the world. I think that we will gradually adapt to that, but life will just get worse. So um, we've seen that already in some parts of the world. For example, if you go back to 2011 and the so-called Arab Spring in Syria, so this is different from what went on in Morocco and Egypt. In Syria, they'd had um, several years of bad harvests, and so people had left their rural properties and drifted into the city. They were hungry, they were poor, and climate change drove that level of violence. And I think that we might well be seeing more of that around the world. Another term that I notice the Americans are using now is eco-migration. We can't call them environmental refugees because they don't meet the traditional definition of a refugee, but they clearly are being forced off their land by the decline in the, their local ecology. So we're going into a period of um, massive amount of change. Now, of course, some people will say, like Jim Bendel or um, the guy who runs Dark Mountain Project, you know, they'll say, well, that's it. You're just going to have to learn to grow your own vegetables. I'm a little more pragmatic. My view is you stay and fight. You don't go and live in an isolated community and hope that you can survive. But it does mean that we're heading into a new era. And it's also a new era in terms of businesses. You know, businesses are now spending more money on mental health. The pressures that they recognise their staff are under. And I think they now need to add climate change to the list of issues that require attention in terms of ensuring the mental health of their workers. As I've said, that we've, we've seen all these different types of mental illnesses that can arrive. And the World Health Organization has said that with the improvements that we've made in sanitation, clean water, the big problems for the 21st century will not be physical. They're going to be psychological. They're going to be mental health issues, mental health rather than physical health, because we are gradually improving the quality of life for people. And people are living longer, generally speaking. And that, of course, creates its own challenges. But people are living longer. So the physical issues of health are being addressed. But we've got all this mental health issue stuff. And I think even just for those of us, you know, who've got businesses to take care of, we've got to be thinking of the mental health of our people. So to summarise what I've tried to cover, I've, thanks to um, my colleague, Christy Wilson, I have now had my concerns about climate change broadened even further. And I'm now taking on board the whole issue of mental health. And we're looking at the stuff that's coming out of the American Psychological uh, um, Association for Psychological Science, and even getting into the mainstream media like the BBC recently, linking up an increase in temperature with an increase in violence. So it's a whole new dimension that we've got to try to get our heads around. And this is a, like, it's going to be a massive way of changing 
the thought processes of people that run big companies as well, Keith, on that corporate side of things, because they have to really be very forward thinking. They do. And, and that's why I'm saying, um, as per this recommendation, that because we already give a lot of attention to work health and safety, and we've now got to include the whole issues of climate change in the context of mental health and counselling for our own staff. And then how do you make that? Like, So how do we pull this back and make it about like everyday Aussies? What will, what will be the symptoms of, I guess, climate-related issues for them, do you think? Like everyday people, what will they experience? I think the, the, the most obvious thing, which is what all mental health people would say, is that you need to have people to talk to and just to, you know, at least to come clean about your anxiety and encourage children that way. I should also say, if anybody's been disturbed by what we've covered in this program, they should ring Lifeline 13114, the price of a local call anywhere in Australia. Um, and so I, I think that at least acknowledging that they have a problem is a good place to start. So it's just more in that mental health piece, like broadening that out, making sure that people really truly understand that it's it's going to be triggered by all sorts of things, including something like climate change. Exactly, yeah. Enlightening, Dr Keith, as always. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Suda and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.